until we're all moving rhythmically and easily with each other, efficient and graceful in response to God's Son, fully mature adults, fully developed within and without, fully alive with Christ. Until we get to that place, we won't find ourselves in the game or find our place. You see, it's up to us. It's up to you. And uh, really, as we've shown little venues from the Remember the Titans movie, we see that it was up to them. We see it really was, the ball was, in a sense, in their court. Over the last four weeks, we've seen that a part of our lives, if we're going to function as a team, in a relationship, in a church, wherever, we need to have a vulnerable trust. We need to embrace hard conversations. We need to be all in. We need to be committed. And we also need to, in a sense, embrace accountability. Receive it and give it. And when those four areas are a part of our rhythm of life, we find that we do get into our groove, we get into our place, and we are in the game. Watch this little clip, and I think you'll see all four of those areas come out with the Titans. Black inside. Uh, 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 hey, yo, uh, P-Day, uh, how many yards you think you're going to get this season, bruh? I didn't want to brag, Big Blue, but I figure on at least a thousand. But I didn't want to brag. Hey, didn't I tell you all them white boys weren't going to play for no brother? Well, who needs them, baby? From now on, the Titans is going to be powered by soul power, bruh. He said a soul power. Put your hand down. You smiling? Yes. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. Why are you smiling? Because I love football. Football's fun. Fun, sir. Fun, sir. It's fun. Yes. You sure? I think. So. Now you're thinking. First you smile, then you think. You think football is still fun? Uh, yes. Sir. Yes. No. No. Sir. sir uh, it was fun. Not anymore, though, is it? Is uh, it? No, not by now. No, not it's now. not fun anymore. No. Not even a little bit. No. Make up your mind. No, no. Think. Since you're thinking now, go on. Think. No, Is no. it fun? No, sir. No. No, sir. Absolutely not? Zero fun, sir. All right. Listen up. I'm Coach Boom. I'm going to tell you all about how much fun you're going to have this season. Check them in, Coach. Check them in. I'm Coach Hines, your offensive line coach. You lot your name and position starting from the right. Petey Jones, running back. The running back, y'all. Jerry Harris, quarterback. Rev. Just a nickname. And who in the name of heaven might you be? I'm Louis Lastic, offensive lineman. Uh, Naval family just moved here from Bayonne. Someone said football, so I come running. What's going on, everybody? calling the shots? Ain't none of us gonna see nothing but the bench this year. You ain't calling the shots, you'll play. Into a team effort to achieve 
perfection. When you put that uniform on, that Titan uniform, you better come to work. I think you're nothing. Nothing but a pure waste of God-given talent. You don't listen to nobody, man. You can't run over everybody in this league. And every time you do, you leave one of your teammates hanging out to dry. What was that, Ray? Whatever it is, it ain't blocking. Give me a break. You want a break? I'll give you a break. Me and Julius. Wait, 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 wait. You just let, let them in. Get the ref once, just one time. I swear to God, I'm going to hit you so hard by the time you come to. Ooh, boy, you're going to need a new haircut. You understand me? <clears throat> Let's play, fellas. <clears throat> <clears throat> does that happen? And why is it important that that happens? What's at stake when that doesn't happen? There's a lot. There's a lot at stake. And that really applies to all of us no matter where we are. If we're convinced Christ followers, unconvinced, or somewhere in between, being in the game, finding your place makes a difference. And what is at stake is those around you. And no matter who we are, we all have people around us that we do love. If we don't, that's a whole nother subject to talk about. But all of us have people around our lives that we love. And how we touch their lives should be very important to us. So it's, it's very important for us. Now, as Christ followers... It goes to, we would say, a whole nother level. So it goes to a level of our own personal influence, but then as a, a group of Christ followers in a local place, that's, that's called a church, there's a lot at stake. There's a lot at stake, how we play the game and how we interact with each other. Shouldn't, I should be able to put this slide up without even having the blanks filled in because you've heard this a number of times like you'd be able to recite this in your sleep. But the way we say it as a church is we're called to make a difference in people's lives wherever they are, wherever they're in their spiritual journey, by leading them into a growing relationship with God through Jesus Christ. And those of us that are doing the leading, doing the pointing, that isn't a place of uh, superiority, it's from a place that says, wow, if I have this relationship with God through Christ, then I ought to be moving in this direction. And in the wake of my traveling down this road, it should create some ripples that touch other people. I can't expect to lead people, point people in a direction that really isn't my direction. And some of you who are here that... Uh, years ago gave up on church, it's because there were people that were trying to point you there, but they really weren't making ripples. 
You weren't really sure that they owned it inside. Because you weren't sure they owned it inside, you'd see these other kinds of ripples. And it kind of rocked your world and did the exact opposite. So for us, this is important to think about this, how, how we do this, how we um, move forward. Uh, Patrick Lassoni in this book, uh, The Five Dysfunctions of Team, uh, we've been refer referencing that uh, throughout the series, uh, says this, even when a team has overcome each of these dysfunctions we've addressed so far, there's still a chance that it will lose sight of the climate measure of great team. And he calls that results. We need to keep collective results in the forefront of our minds. A good way to do that is to have a visible scoreboard of some kind. So what does that mean for a church? What does that mean in a relationship? What does that mean for a person? It comes back to that whole idea of making a difference. That is our scoreboard, making a difference. Now, we've unpacked that in greater depth in other messages during this series and all during the year. We're talking about this. We're not just talking about it to, uh, you know, use oxygen in the room. This, this really is our scoreboard. How are we making a difference? How are we touching other people's lives? Trunk or treat, a small way of touching other people's lives. Um, the way you treat your neighbors, small way. The way you're at work, all these kinds of things. So even when you and I have gotten to the place where we have relationships, where there's vulnerable trust, uh, where there is commitment, uh, where there is hard conversations, conflict, healthy conflict, uh, where there's accountability, if we don't, in a sense, look at what the scoreboard is, it's not for nothing, but it's, it's kind of wasted. It's kind of wasted to have all those components functioning in your personal life, in your life as a, as a church person, as a Christ follower, and not have it ripple out and touch other people's lives. I won't go so far as to say what's the point then, but, but I, I could go there. You see, sometimes those of us in, in church circles uh, have lifted up the concept of that we need to be faithful and we just hold on to that. But we forget there's this other side. We need to be faithful and fruitful. Now, how we measure that fruitfulness, we could talk a lot about that, but we don't have time for that. But, but there's got to be faithful and fruitful. I, I don't know, and I, and I, I want to be careful when I say this, because these aren't absolute statements. But I, I will say, I need to question my faithfulness when there is no fruitfulness. Because if I'm faithful and I'm healthy following Christ, not perfect, then there ought to be some kind of product. Something ought to be happening. Faithful and fruitful. So as we looked at those four components, those four ideas, those four building blocks of team, relationship, church life, we have, to, we have to ask ourselves, what are we doing with it? Are we faithful for ourselves? Sometimes we use the word holy huddle. Are we just like a holy huddle? Are we faithful and fruitful? Very, very important. Like what Paul says when he writes to a church, he says, because, you know, 
when you've said yes to Christ, there is this freedom, there's this security, there's this confidence, but what you do with it's so important. He says, just make sure that you don't use this freedom as an excuse to do whatever you want to do and destroy your freedom. Have you ever had that experience? You, you have freedom and you go beyond where you ought to go and all of a sudden it starts costing you freedom. Rather, use your freedom to serve one another in love. Call that make a difference. That's how freedom grows. For everything we know about God's word is summed up in a single sentence, love others as you love yourself. Make a difference. That is an act of true freedom. If you bite and ravage each other, watch out. In no time at all, you'll be annihilating each other. And where will your precious freedom be? See, what do we do with that? It's great to have all those little character techniques. It's great to have all of that. But if we don't leverage it, life goes by quickly. And I don't want to get to the end side of life and we never know when that's coming, and have lots of regrets. I mean, I think it's impossible not to have any regrets, but I want the regret box to be less and less and less. Not so I can just feel good about myself, that I lived a life, but so that, so that in a sense I've, I've honored God, I've, I've been faithful with what he's given me, and, and there's been some fruit. Again, we don't have time for this, but we go and look at the story where Jesus comes across a tree that he's expecting fruit on it, and there's no fruit on it. And those of you who are familiar with the story, it doesn't go well for the tree afterwards. Paul goes on in chapter 6 to say this, make careful exploration of who you are and the work you have been given. It's understood as a Christ follower who you are, and the work you've been given, the job, the role, the, the, the ability to make ripples wherever you're traveling. You've been given that. And then sink yourself into that. Each of you must take responsibility for doing the creative best you can with your own life. Live to your capacity. You may have a different capacity than somebody else, but live to your capacity. I like that creative best. You have to reflect. You have to think to be creative. Do your best with what you have. Now, we've uh, showed this a lot of times. Every season, we talk about the idea of knowing your shape. It's, a, it's an acrostic that uh, Rick Warren came up with, and I really like it because it, it puts it in succinct, easy-to-digest bites. So I think that's important. The only danger with this acrostic is sometimes it can leave us a little too consumer-oriented. Sometimes we can say, that's outside of my shape, so I shouldn't have to do it. And I'm going to say that all of us, there are times where there are things we need to be engaged with, involved with, that are outside of our shape. It's not everything. I'm not, I'm not good at emptying the dishwasher, Cindy. It's not a part of my shape, so I guess I can't do that. It <laughs> doesn't work that way. Actually, I'm, pretty, I'm a mean dishwasher emptier. <laughs> Just getting the stuff in the right spot, so I'm not in trouble. Where would you put that? But shape. 
doing the best with who you are. And our shape changes. Our shape grows, which is a wonderful thing. The person you are today, if you're engaged in your faith, if you're walking with Jesus and others, will be different six months from now, a year from now. If it's not, then we go back to that scoreboard statement, leading others in a growing relationship with God through Christ. You're not doing it. You're not growing. So how can you lead others if you're not engaged in it yourself? S stands for spiritual gifts. When you say yes to Jesus and God joins your life and the Holy Spirit joins your life, you are given an a, a, a ability, an expression that is a gift, and you can use that for making a difference. All of us have something to bring to the table. None of us come empty-handed. And I don't think it's going to be an exercise of, of just frustration trying to figure out what it is. It's supposed to be natural. It's supposed to be organic. Others can help you if you're engaged. You'll know what you're blessed with, what kind of gift that you can bring to the table. There's also your heart. What do you have a passion for? If you're looking to how to make a difference and, and to use your life, uh, what do I have a heart for? And what's wonderful is God makes our heart, and sometimes there's things that we really just take a lot of joy doing, and we get to leverage that. We get to use that. Some of you are really good with your hands. You can make things. You can take things apart. You can do that, work on engines, whatever it is. And, and, and you love doing that, and that's where your heart is, and you get to use that gift. That's awesome. That's awesome. I've talked to you about this before. I love to ski, and there's times where I've been able to ski and go skiing and use that love of downhill skiing to touch other people's lives. Isn't that awesome? You get to do things you love to do. Also, then there's just your abilities. Maybe you're not good at skiing no, or putting things together. I would never, you wouldn't want me helping you with your car. But what are you naturally good at? Your abilities. Your personality. How do you operate? What's the, what's the rhythm of your life? Are you an introvert, an extrovert? What, you know, how does that all work? Each of us have a distinct personality, and we get to leverage that to make a difference. And there's also our experiences, your triumphs, your failures, and even your heartbreaks can be used to make ripples, to make a difference in somebody else's life. And I would challenge you, if you took a half an hour and thought through these, you could start to see how God has shaped you. And you could see how you can use that naturally. It doesn't have to be forced. It's just opening your eyes. And it's a wonderful thing. He has shaped each person in turn and now watches everything we do. Now, at first glance, you go, oh, no, that's not good. He's shaped me. He's given me these abilities. He's given me this, this way of navigating in life. And now he's watching 
everything we do. But I think he watches the way a parent watches. When you give your child a gift and they use it and like it and have fun with it, you watch everything they do and there's joy in the watching. There's not a, oh, I'm waiting for them to, to step out of line in the watching. There's joy in the watching. And we delight in that. You remember this little girl who is given a bicycle and she gets to ride it and she figures out how to ride it and she is just uh, so happy. I can ride my bike. I didn't fall over. And I think parents are watching. They're videotaping it, obviously. They are just so excited about this. They're just having a party. I think that's what God does. He shapes us and he watches what we do with it. And as he sees us use it, he's having a party. He's going, wow, and when you really kind of do that, you have a party too. Paul writes to the Ephesians, he says this, it is God himself who has made us what we are and, and what we are and has given us new lives from Christ Jesus. And long ago, he planned that we should spend these lives in helping others. Other versions will say he prepared in advance. And a lot of mornings, a lot of evenings when I put my head on my pillow or I'm praying with my community group, I'll say, Lord, help me be ready for the things you've prepared for me in advance to do tomorrow. When you were planning everything out, whenever that was, you planned for my life to intersect another person's life and for me to, in a sense, make a difference or for someone to make a difference in my life. But let me be receptive. Let me be ready. Let me be aware. Let me have eyes to see it so I don't miss out on those moments. It's fun when I know that God has prepared this little moment for me and it's for me to touch somebody else's life. And I think they happen more than we realize. Sometimes when there's a disruption to our day, and all of a sudden this person, that it's just all of a sudden you go, wait a minute, what's going on here? No, wait a minute, this is one of those moments that God prepared in advance for me. Because he wants to, me to spend my life helping others. Over the next two weeks, out in the commons area, there's a bulletin board in the middle, and it's all about saying yes to making a difference. Connected with a church, outside of the church, you and I should be making a difference in both places. I'm not going to say how that shakes out, if it's 50-50, I'm not saying that, but, but we should reflect making a difference connected with the life of your local church, and on the outside. And as you go out there, you know, I encourage you to look at some of those things and say, hey, that might be something I could try. Maybe I could do a first serve with that. Maybe, maybe I, I could do that. And then I would start to connect with using my shape. Uh, maybe that makes you think of something you can do in your work world. I, I don't know, but we, we should be offering our lives to others. It should be a regular part 
of our life. Jesus says this in Matthew, if your first concern is to look after yourself, you'll never find yourself. But if you forget about yourself and look to me, you'll find both yourself and me. I could take a mic around, and if you didn't feel nervous, I could say, tell me one of your stories where you forgot about yourself and you looked to Jesus, looked to God, and all of a sudden you discovered in your offering yourself, you found both yourself and God showing up in your life. All of us who are Christ followers have those stories, or we ought to have those stories, or we ought to be able to identify those stories. So when we're thinking about our shape, when we're thinking about uh, effectiveness, we're thinking about results, we're thinking about the scoreboard, then we have to ask ourselves, as Christ followers, what do we come to that moment with? And there's three articles of clothing I've told you about before that I think we think about. And every once in a while I have to ask myself, what am I wearing? What am I laying out the night before to put on the next day? I hate to say it, some days it's a bib. It's all about me. Self-centered. Not thinking about other people. And I put a bib on. And you remember these superheroes from The Incredibles that kind of happened to them, too. Let's see what Mr. Froze, Freeze, says. Honey! What? Where's my super suit? What? Where is my super suit? Uh All the ladies said, amen, right? Wearing a bib. How do you start off your day? Is it all about you? Is it all about me? How's that work? Paul writes, brothers and sisters, I could not address you as people who live by the Spirit, your connection with God, God in your life, the Holy Spirit, but as people who are still worldly, self-centered is the idea, mere infants in Christ. What are you putting on every day? What are you keeping on every day? What are you wearing? What am I wearing? How do I, how do I approach that? How do I approach when I'm wearing a bib? What, what, does, it, what, does, it, what does it look like? I have been talking to you as though you were still just babies in the Christian life who are not following the Lord but your own desires. And there's no timeline on this. This just doesn't happen for the new Christ follower who's into it two or three years or six months. Believe it or not, I've actually seen this and actually seen it rear its ugly head in my own life. This can happen when you've been following Christ for 30, 40, 50 years. All of a sudden, it's about what you want, what you like. It's my desires. 
And when that's driving the way I operate in life, I am wearing a bib. And some of us go weeks wearing a bib. Some of us put it on and all of a sudden, whoops, I got my bib back on. Get that off. My desires. I cannot talk to you as I would to healthy Christians who are filled with the Spirit. Filled with the Spirit doesn't mean you like drink a little more spirit, if you will. It means that you're responding to the Spirit in your life. It's evident that you're following His lead. None of us do that perfectly, even on our best days. But there is a mindset that we face our days, face our moments where we say, Lord, I want to be filled, led, controlled, directed by your Spirit. And again, all of us have had those times if we said yes to Christ. We've had those moments where we're moving through life and all of a sudden there's this, there's this, this, this feeling, this thought, this direction, whatever, and we realize that is God speaking to our heart. And either we brush it aside or we respond. It's our choice. And when we brush it aside, we're wearing the bib. The action of a person wearing a bib is this. As long as you grab for what makes you feel good or makes you look important, are you really much different than a babe at the breast, content only when everything is going your way? Some of you have young little babies right now. They want their milk. Having a little bit of a fit because they're hungry. It's all, and the minute they get that milk, ah, that's okay for babies. That's what babies are supposed to do. Not good when we get older. It's not cute when they're 21 years old or 30 years old or 50 or 65. Not, not so cute anymore. So we can wear a bib. Or we can wear a cape. Sometimes this is as great a turnoff to others as wearing a bib. When you, when I think, da-da, here I am. Super Christian, superhero, super righteous, super knows everything, and I will bless you with my presence and give you guidance and direction that could solve all your life's problems in a moment. Ta-da! Wearing a bib. Edna has to explain to Mr. Incredible when he starts to get in his groove that wearing a bit or wearing a, a cape is not the best idea. Ah, something classic, like uh, Dinah Guy. Oh, he had a great look. Oh, the cape and the boots. No capes. Isn't that my decision? Do you remember Thunderhead? Tall, storm powers. Nice man. Good with the kids. Listen. November 15th, the 58th. <laughs> All was well, another day saved, when his cape snagged on a missile pin. Thunderhead was not the brightest ball. Stratogale, April 23rd, 57. Cape caught in a jet turbine. Mm, you can't generalize about this. Meta Man, Express Elevator, Diner Guy, Snag on Takeoff, Splashdown, Sucked into a Vortex. No kicks! Now go on, your new suit will be finished before your next assignment. No capes. 
most of us don't like being in the presence of somebody who thinks they're wearing a cape. Don't like it at all. You see, the underlining idea is when someone's wearing a cape saying, da-da, here I am, that their action, their love, really is not sincere. They're in it to get the attention. They're in it to save the day. They're in it for themselves, not really to be in the moment. And so as a Christ follower, if you and I are going to make a difference, or if you and I are going to say yes to serving inside, outside the church, having that kind of rhythm to life, it means we don't wear capes. And the minute we start to feel that we're gravitating to that, we stop ourselves because we don't want to be cape wearers. Live in harmony with one, another, with one another. Do not be proud, but be willing to associate with people of low position. Do not be conceited. Cape wearers are proud, and they are conceited. They think they fly above everybody else. No capes. The approach to this is this idea of being self-centered in a different way than the baby is, than the bib wearer. Uh, we read in 1 John, practically everything that goes on in this world, wanting your own way, wanting everything for yourself, wanting to appear important, has nothing to do with the Father. Listen to it. It just isolates you from Him. What a shame. You put your cape on, you're there to save the day, you enjoy the glory of saving the day. Maybe you are, maybe you're not. And you think you're doing what pleases the Lord, the Father, and you find out that it really is just isolating you from Him. Comes back to what's the point? What's the point? Why would we want to do anything that isolates us, that, that puts static on our, the line, the phone line, to the connection with God? Don't want that. So we don't want capes. We don't want bibs. On the other hand, and all of you must put on the apron of humility to serve one another. For the scripture says, God resists the proud, but favors the humble. Again, that idea that uh, if you're a Christ follower, you don't want God's resistance. You don't want to be at odds with him. You want his favor. You want to be aware of his grace in your life. You want to be a part of that so you do not want to wear a cape. So we wear a bib, we wear a cape. We also have the idea that comes clear out of that verse is wearing an apron. Summer go 2018, Incredibles 2 came out. And it's interesting, as you watch this, you see that Mr. Incredible has changed a little bit. He's changed a little bit. It's now not about him being Mr. Incredible. It's about him setting things up so his wife can succeed. He's serving his wife, and literally, in this case, he's staying at home, taking care of the kids. And it gets a little tough. Bring supers back into the sunlight. We need Elastigirl. Bye, sweetie. I'll watch the kids, no problem. That's not the way you 
supposed to do it, Dad? They want us to do it. This I don't way. know that way. Why would they change math? Math is math. Math is math. All over Dusseldorf, Dussels are dozing. Their eyelids so heavy, they're drooping. Mm. Close it! I couldn't have done this if you hadn't taken over so well. I've got to succeed so she can succeed. So we can succeed. I get it, Bob. That is freaky. But I can't keep giving him cookies. Yeah, baby! I've got to succeed, so she succeeds. That's wearing an apron. And uh, that needs to be the heartbeat, the rhythm of a Christ follower in a church. Um, Some of us who are getting a little older, it's no longer that we succeed. It's we succeed so somebody else can succeed. That's succeeding. Not so with you. Instead, whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant. Anyone who wants to be first must be slave of all. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, it's serving. It's giving our lives away. It's wearing the apron in whatever arena God has prepared in advance for you and me. So when we talk about saying yes to making a difference, and I'll say this, Osborne, some of you probably don't believe believe me when I say this, it's not about, it's, it's more than filling slots. It's not about getting jobs done for us as a church. Out there, it's this understanding that you as a Christ follower, if you're really going to be following him, if you're going to be growing in him, we have to offer and give our lives away. That's a part of the growth process. So you're not getting all the vitamins you need to grow when you're not saying yes to making a difference inside the walls and outside the walls of our world and our community. Uh, We don't have time to go through this. This isn't in your notes, but this is the whole concept of spiritual growth that comes from North Point. We've talked about this before. You've got practical teaching as a part of that, providential relationships, understanding that God brings people together, private disciplines, reading the Bible, praying, all those things, uh, pivotal circumstances, realizing that God has circumstances take place in your life to help you grow. And then the last one here is this idea of personal ministry, serving, giving your life. Some of us are doing great at, at some of those, and we're missing the personal ministry. We need to offer, we need to put on the apron. So wearing an apron, what are the approaches? Already read this. For even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and give his life. Sometimes I have to ask, have I come to be served? Or have I come to serve? When I walk in the house after a long day, maybe Cindy's not home yet. 
go back to the dishwasher thing, am I there to serve or be served? Doesn't take, I can do the dishwasher when it's full, probably in about six, seven minutes. But, uh, you know, so am I going to serve or am I not going to serve? What am I going to do? What are you going to do? You have those kinds of scenarios happening all the time. Am I here to be served or am I here to serve? Going along with that, all of us must put on the apron of humility to serve one another. Another. You can have all those qualities we've talked as we've gone through get in the game. And when it comes down to this idea of having an impact, being effective, it means we put on the apron. The apron of humility. Sometimes it's a pretty humbling situation, but we do that. And also another benefit to this idea of growth, this idea of serving, this idea of results, the scoreboard being effective is this, is when ministry stretches us, when it scares us, when it takes us to the end of ourselves, our trust is strengthened. Our trust in God is strengthened. When you and I play it safe all the time, our trust isn't needed. Now, it doesn't mean you put yourself in harm's way and are foolish with your life. It doesn't mean you do that. But there needs to be some moments where God has to show up. It's been a number of years now, but when we were talking about adding on to the building and we put those new entranceways, knocked the wall out, all this kind of stuff, there was a, there was a step of trust. We didn't want to take such a step that we needed God to bail us out. Like, oh God, how we get, you know. But we didn't want to play it so safe that God didn't need to show up. A lot of us live lives in, in neither place. We need to live lives if we're following Christ so that he needs to show up periodically. I'd like him to show up daily a few times because I, I like being aware that he's aware of my life and seeing that, but, but I don't want to go weeks with not doing anything or being a part of anything where God doesn't need to show up. What's the point of following him? What's the point of having him in your life? We need stuff that stretches us, scares us a little, not doing anything too crazy, brings us to the end of ourselves so our trust, our confidence in him is strengthened. Real quickly, some characteristics of wearing the apron comes from uh, Rick Warren's uh, book, um, Purpose Driven Life. As first of all, people who wear an apron make themselves available to serve. Some of us have our lives so chucked full of stuff that we are not available. And that's our choice. That's our choice. Now, if you leave all this time so you do nothing, that, that's, I'm not saying that either. But I have to watch my schedule. Sometimes I have to, I have to plan because I'm a schedule guy. I could like to have every half an hour planned out, you know, doing this, doing this. But I have to, I have to put a little extra time in some of those things so that if something happens, I actually am available. That I don't say to the, say to the opportunity, no, I don't have time because I really don't have time. So I need to think through my day so there's some margin in there so that I can be available. Uh, sometimes not being available is just is because I want to control my life. I want to do what I want to do, not what God predestined for me to do, prepared in advance for me to do, that I, that I just I don't want to live that crazy. Uh, pay attention to needs. Now, you can't meet every need, but you pay attention to them. 
I mean, we have a response. We're either so overwhelmed that it's every need, every need, every need, or the other way that nothing even, we don't see anything. Pay attention. Following Christ, there is some tension. There is some messiness. It's not all black and white. They do their best with what they have. That can be a, a copo. I don't, I don't have... I don't have the skills, I don't have the abilities, I don't, I don't have, I don't, so I can't do any, you know, you, you do your best with what you have. You walk that fine line, you, you don't, again, you want to be stretched, you don't want to be, you know, getting your head, getting way over your head in a sense, you got, you got to walk with God, but, but you do your best, you don't, you don't, well, there's somebody else, because sometimes it's you, and sometimes you find that your best of what you had actually was more than enough. And God, in a sense, amplifies your strength, your ability in ways you can't believe. But if you'd never stepped into that, you would never have experienced that. If you'd played it safe, you you wouldn't have been involved. Do every task with equal dedication. I was talking with someone this week and uh, talking about... uh, they're talking about turkeys in their freezer for a long time, and it reminded me of a story about the Butterball um, hotline, and someone calls in, they were cleaning out their freezer, and they, they found a turkey in there that was like 10 or 15 years old, and they call the Butterball, and they say, can we eat that? It was, is it safe to eat? And the, and the actual person said, yeah, it is, it is safe. It won't, it won't hurt you. It won't taste very good, but, but you could eat it. It won't kill you. And then the person's immediate response, good, then I'll give it to the church. But think about that. Think about that. There's been times where it's not good enough for me, but it's good enough for somebody else. Equal dedication. Um, are you faithful to the, to the ministry? Faithful, engaged, not leftovers. Um, also, sometimes it means maintaining a low profile, no capes. No capes. So as we put this all together, as we think about what we're wearing, as we think about being in the game, finding our place, we need all those four other things, but then we have to ask ourselves, how effective are we going to be? What are we doing with our life? What, are we, what kind of clothing are we laying out the night before to get into the next morning? Is it a bib? Is it a cape? Is it an apron? Well, what is it? And then we have to think about who we are, and we have to realize that it's, that it's not about the wow that we are, but it's about the how. So effective isn't about the wow, it's about the how. Sometimes we let the wow cause us to pull back and not be engaged because we don't have a wow. Or we're overcome with, wow, we're really good. It's not about that. Use who you are. Don't compare. But it's about the how. It's about how you engage. It's about what you wear. And again, I want to I drive this truth home. It's not about filling slots when I talk about engaging with your world, making a difference. It's knowing that if we're really looking at the scoreboard of making a difference in people's lives, we know that spiritual growth doesn't happen as fully when we're not giving ourselves away. Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, we just uh, thank you for your goodness to us. We thank you.